Man, thank you. Thank you, worship team. Man, he is worthy. It is just a joy to uh, hear you and watch people worship like this and uh, just blown away as I sat over there and just listened to all of you sing and, and uh, just some really cool stuff. Well, hey, if uh, we haven't had an opportunity to meet yet, my name is Brad. I'm the lead pastor and one of the teaching pastors here at Crossbridge. And uh, I am excited today that we get to wrap up, I get to wrap up this story that we've been in called Jonah. And, uh, you know, it's one of those familiar stories that if you grew up in church at all, you've heard this whole thing. And, and um, I'm going to walk over this sometimes, so I'm just going <laughs> to move that. You know, it, it's probably, even if you didn't grow up in church, you probably are familiar with this, this whole story. And so when we're talking about doing this, I decided we, we love leveraging technology around here, and so um, we, we do everything we can video-wise and, and social media-wise to reach people that we wouldn't be able to reach, and, and I said, I'm going to pull out a piece of technology that may be old, but it's this, and it was, you know, how many of you grew up in church and, and, and knew what one of these were, okay? A lot, uh, all kinds of people, except for some of our younger people, and even some of our younger people on staff didn't know what this was. And so I said, I'm going to bring out a flannel graph. And he said, what are you talking about? I said, it's a flannel graph, you know. And, and, and honestly, if you were here the last couple of weeks, you know, I don't want to, again, name names, but Jordan just thought this was amazing that this technology actually worked and those things stuck and things like that. And if you were here week two, he called this thing a flannel gram, okay? Yeah. And, and so I got up at the close of the service, and I kind of made fun of him and told him what, you know, the picture I have of a flannel gram would be some farmer in a flannel shirt coming and singing happy birthday to you or something when you weren't expecting it. And that's the reaction I got. You guys all laughed, and I felt very good about myself, you know. And, and I had thrown Jordan under the bus a little bit, and, and that's always fun to do. And so, you know, we all got a good chuckle about it. And then later in the afternoon, some anonymous crossbridgers by the name of Brian and Pat Thurber <laughs> sent me this text. Right here. There, there it is. From Wikipedia, flannel graph, also called flannel board and flannel gram. It's <laughs> 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 a storytelling system that uses a board covered with flannel fabric. It's Wikipedia, so it's kind of probably fake news anyway. But... <laughs> So I would like to make a public apology. I'm not going to make a pu public apology, but I would like to, okay? And so we're just going to kind of carry right on with this whole thing, and, and there you go. I don't know why I did all that, but anyway. Well, I have loved this story, and we have gotten so many texts and so many calls and, and, and conversations about this whole story of Jonah. And honestly, as I've been preparing for this, there's just some things that jumped out. I was talking to one of our elders even today, and I said, there's just some things that have jumped out at me that is so relevant. It's amazing to me that Scripture, that the Bible, is so relevant to us today, written so many thousands of years ago, and we can take the, these stories and we can take these things and we can apply it to what we are living in society and culture today. And my eyes were opened up so much to this whole, this whole story of Jonah this week, and it was so applicable to my own life, and I saw some things, and you guys have too, and I love that we've been journeying through this whole thing. And we've been talking about how Jonah got this call from God, and he goes the opposite direction. We've talked about the pride of Jonah, how he did end up <laughs> saying a prayer, never kind of repented, but then he goes on and does the bare minimum. I'm going to follow you, God, but I'm going to do the absolute bare minimum. We'll talk a little bit about that today also. 
And so this story is so relevant to us today because I think it applies to who we are so much. And, and, and I think we think that's what the story is all about. And we think that maybe it's about these rebellious people that Jonah went to, went to talk to. But I believe that the point is something entirely different. And, and that's what we're going to unpack today. And, and here it is. God shows us mercy on, on some of the most abusive, violent people of those de- that day. And, and, and here is Jonah wrestling with that whole thing. And he would rather die than live, live seeing God actually redeem a certain group of people. Because he thinks they don't deserve it. And here is Jonah who goes, we talked about last week, Jordan talked about last week, that he goes to Nineveh and he does, again, the bare minimum. But all these people repent. And here is the prophet of God who is called <laughs> to go to Nineveh and, and, and give the word of God to this, this group of people, this ruthless group of people, and, and they all repent. And you would think that Jonah would be ecstatic. If we would stand up here and the whole city of Fort Wayne would repent and say, no, we are going to follow God, man, we would be rejoicing about what God has done in us and through us. But here is Jonah, and he is not feeling that way at all. We're going to pick up the story in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. It says, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. And here's Jonah in his own words saying, this is why I've run. We talked about the very first week how, how, you know, these were ruthless people. So was he scared? Maybe a little bit. But that's not the reason that Jonah ran. He was actually afraid that God was going to have mercy on these people. And that's why he goes the absolute other way. He goes on and says, I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. And what Jonah is doing here is actually giving a description that God gives himself and is repeated several times in scripture. And he's going actually back to Exodus chapter 32 through 34 where, where the Israelites have been rescued out of Egypt. They've been taken out of slavery and God has shown up in all kinds of different ways and different, you know, taking care of them. And, and, and Moses is going up to, on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. And, and there's a cloud that covers the, the whole mountain, and Moses is up there for a long time, and the people are down below starting to get restless and wondering where Moses is. So they do what's natural, you know? They make a golden calf so they can start worshiping it. And Moses comes down finally, because they th- think he's, he's not coming down. He finally comes down, and he sees all this, and God is angry. Moses is angry. Everybody's upset. And, and all kinds of things happen, and, and, and Moses begs God not to, to take retribution. And this is the actual explanation that God gives of himself, that he's compassionate, that he's slow to get angry, that he has unfailing love for his people. And, and, and Jonah knows this as God's character. He says, this is why I didn't want to go, God. And he goes on and says, you are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. And as I'm reading this, I had to take pause and, and, and wonder what my picture of God is. And what is your picture of God? You, know, you look at the God of the Old Testament, a lot of people say, and we've had people walk away from church. We've had people walk away from faith because they look and they say, this is the picture of God and how ruthless he is. And God is describing himself as compassionate, as slow to anger, as merciful, 
And I think back of the way that, that, that I was taught and raised and things, and I, and I had this picture of God all the time growing up that he was just out there waiting for me to make a mistake so that he could punish me. And I'm afraid so often that is the picture we have of God. He is a just God. There's no question there are consequences to sin. But when we have this picture of God that all he is out to do is, is, is harm people, and he wants, I think he wants us so bad, especially today, to say, I am slow to anger. I am compassionate. I love you more than ever. It goes on, and God actually answers Jonah here in verse 4. It says, the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? And I think what God is doing here is he's starting a conversation with Jonah. He, he, just, he just wants to have this conversation. He wants to have this back and forth. He wants to, to, to let's have a conversation about this. Is it right, Jonah, for you to feel this way? And what, what's that internal thing in you that, that's making you feel this way? Because here is, here is Jonah mad about God's grace. And I think so often we get mad at other people's sin. And I think the reason we get mad at, at other people's sin is because they're getting, we think they're getting away with something that we can't get away with. And we start comparing our lives together. And we say, you know, well, they're the ones either having all the fun or being able to do all this. And, and, and here I am. I'm being a good person. And nothing happens to them. So what is going on in this whole thing? And he doesn't even answer God. He basically gives him a face palm. Just ignores him, which Jonah is very good at ignoring God at this point, isn't he? And the story last week, when he goes in and he gives this five-word sermon, and all of Nineveh repents, he does the, the absolute bare minimum. Doesn't even mention God in his sermon. Why would he do that? Because I think he wanted them fried. He wanted these people dealt with the way he thought they should be dealt with. The story goes on in verse 5. Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. He's thinking, you know what, there's still time. These people are going to screw it up, and God's going to come through for me, and he's going to take them out. And I think it's interesting because we look at this, and we just kind of gloss by it because, of course, you make a shelter. But there's something significant here that the, 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 the ancient readers would have understood that I think in our culture we just don't understand. The word for shelter here. It's so significant. The word for shelter is actually translated as the same word as tabernacle. That when God was traveling with the Israelites, when they were going out into the, into the wilderness, they would set up this tent, a tabernacle, and, and God would meet them there. They would get word from God there, and his presence would, would be there. And that's exactly what Jonah is doing. He's setting up a tabernacle, and he's sitting in it. He has now become judge. And the word sit there is actually reminiscent of what we would recognize, we don't hear a lot here, again, in our culture, but in that culture, it would have been, you know, kings and queens. They would be sitting on a throne, elevated, and, and, and be ruling. That's what he's doing when he's sitting there. In our present day, you know, anybody that has been a president is called president, but we have a sitting president. And whenever he has the authority or he's writing something in law, he'd be in the Oval Office at his desk sitting, a position of authority, writing a bill, and that's what we're talking about here. Or in our day also in, in, with judges, you know, you enter a courtroom and everybody stands up and then the judge who can rule, who can, can actually judge, would sit down and everybody can sit down. It's a sitting. And this is the, the posture. That is the posture of what Jonah is doing here. It's one of judgment. And Jonah has put himself in that judgment seat. And the outcome that he's looking for 
is pretty clear. He wants these people eradicated. He wants these people dealt with. He wants these people punished. <laughs> and we think about it, we would never do that, would we? Do we want people judged in our lives? Are we putting ourselves in a judgment seat as we go through life, as we're looking at others around us who we don't think are living up to expectations that, that are, are doing something contrary to what we believe is right? Or maybe it's people groups. And, and some of that, you know, you can understand, I get this, that there's people that have hurt us. There's people that have betrayed us. And I'm not talking about an abusive situation here. That's an entirely different thing. But, but we get all up in arms about people who have hurt us, who's betrayed us, who's, who, who are not living the way we expect them to live. And, and we take this posture of judgment on them. And we want God to do something about them. Is, is that our place? And not only is he judging the people, he's also judging God. Let's go back to verse 1. It says, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran to Tarshish. He's actually judging God for being compassionate. He wants them dealt with, and he's, he's basically saying God is too merciful, that he's too loving, he's too slow to anger, he's too compassionate because he's blinded by his own opinions. He's blinded by his own prejudice of what God is doing or not doing with these other people, with this other group of individuals. Verse 6, and the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. It's the first time, it's the only time in the story that Jonah is actually happy. <laughs> and here he is, basking in his own comfort. You know, finally God has done something for me to give me a little comfort, to give me a little reprieve. And that's his perspective. That is his posture once again. Is this whole thing has been about him and what he wants. But God's not done yet. In verse 7, but God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it would wither it away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? And here is God trying to enter in again to Jonah's world trying to enter into Jonah and, and have a conversation and start this conversation with him, hoping that Jonah is going to wrestle for why he's feeling this way. Is he so set in his ways that he wants these people done and gone and away from him? Or, or can we have this conversation? Can we just at least look, Jonah, and see where this is coming from? Can you, can you sense the tension? He wants to wrestle with Jonah of, of why are you feeling this way? Why is this group of people so obnoxious to you? Jonah answers this time, finally. He says, yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. You just, God's saying, you know, I've given you this plant, there's comfort, now it's gone, and, and you just don't have any compassion for others, anybody but yourself. And Jonah's miserable, he's got a bad attitude, he's angry, 
He's mad at the world. He's mad at society. He's mad at culture. He's mad at sinners. Does that sound familiar at all? Has any of us ever been there? I catch myself living that way so often. Because God is not doing what we think he should be doing. And here it is, God's work is, and he has this perspective that, that, you know, this Israel nation is set apart. They're the ones that God has chosen. And here is God doing something for somebody outside of this whole deal. Why is that? And I don't understand it, and I honestly don't like it, because it's about us, isn't it? And so often what we do is we picture who's in, who's in and who's out according to our thinking based on our, our own obedience. In other words, we kind of build this box of who's in and out. We put God and we put all of our theology, we put everything in this, this box, and we say this is what it takes. And we, we want to say to look at people and say you're either in or you're out. It just clears things up for us. And, and what we're really trying to do is, is, is picture ourselves making sure that we're in that box and the intent is good, but how we react about everything else can be really toxic if we're not careful. And so we build this box, and we look at people, and we start judging them, whether you're in this box or you're outside of this box, whether you're in with God or whether you're out of God. And if you're out of God, then, then I don't know if we can have too much to do with you. And God is doing something brand new here in the life of Israel, in the culture at this time, and Jonah is missing it. It goes on in verse 10. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? The point is, we can obedient, be obedient, just like Jonah, and we can go through our lives and, and we, can, we can jump through the right hoops. We can do the right things. Jonah did the bare minimum. Sometimes I catch myself. Sometimes we catch ourselves doing the bare minimum. And we think that, you know, as long as I'm obedient, as long as I'm in my little box, as long as I'm doing all this, we're going to be okay. And what God is saying is, as good as obedience is, it's not enough. I want your heart. God wants Jonah's heart to understand and see people the way that he sees people. And he wants us to see people the way he sees people. This story isn't about Jonah reaching the Ninevites because if, if that's what the whole thing was about, we would have ended the story last week. God is desperate to get a hold of Jonah's heart so that he sees people the way he sees people, that he loves people the way that he loves people. And I would argue it's the same for us today. God is pouring out to these people because they are his. They're made in his image. He loves them. He wants a relationship with them. They are valuable and they are precious to him. And I said this, I don't know how many times from this stage that we will never ever, you will never ever be face to face with someone that God doesn't love. You will never be around somebody face to face that Jesus did not die for. That they are not made in the image of God. No matter how much we disagree with them, no matter how much their lifestyle or whatever repulses us, we will never be near somebody that God doesn't want a relationship with, and he loves them, and he wants them to be in relationship with him. 
He wants to see jo- he wants Jonah to see them, these people, these Ninevites, as he sees them. Not just as his enemy or his adversaries. He wants to see them as image bearers of God. And I want you to understand that doing stuff is good and knowing stuff is good, but if it doesn't lead to a heart transformation, it doesn't do anybody any good. It all falls short of what God is calling us. And I had to ask myself, do we love these people? Do we love others? Do we love these people that we are in, in relationship with or, or, or we rub shoulders with as much as what God does? Or do we believe that God is just as disgusted at them as we are? And do we believe that God feels the same way that we do? And far too often that has been my posture. And I, I know that God is calling me and us to feel the way that he does. And that's a challenge for us. Will you look at these people? Is God after our heart <laughs> today? And, 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 and here's the thing. We're, it's understandable because we are constantly being evaluated in our lives. In our, in our workplaces, we're being evaluated. Are we, are, we, are we doing enough? Are we achieving enough? Are we accomplishing enough? And, and when we do, then, then, then everything is good and, and we get praise. We look at our, our kids and, and, you know, as long as they're achieving the, the right the right grades, they're going to the right schools, they're, they're excelling in their sports. We're evaluating how they are living life, and as long as all that is good, then, then we feel good about ourselves. Are we living in the right house? Are we driving the right car? Do we have the right job? Do we have the right finances? And everybody on the outside is evaluating everybody. They're judging each other of saying, okay, is that all good? And what happens is we take all that evaluation that we, we standardly live on and we bring it into our spiritual life. And we start evaluating others according to the standards that we have set. We start evaluating, are they doing the right things? Are they accomplishing the right things? Are they, are they doing what God requires of them? And we have this sense that if we do the right things, then God is going to love us more. And that is just exhausting to try to keep up with that. And what happens is eventually we start getting judgmental and self-righteous, and we start thinking that we are better than anybody else around because we have the truth, and we start looking down to a certain degree, and we never rest in how God sees us and sees others, that we are chosen, that we are loved, that we're redeemed, that we're valued, and that we matter to him. We've been from the very beginning of the year, we, we chose this verse that we thought that God was calling us to live by. And it's Jesus saying, come to me, all you who are, are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you because it's easy. Are we just resting in how, in our identity and who we are in Christ? Are we living in that kind of love? And when we can start resting in what God's acceptance of, of us and start letting go of everything else, we start understanding and we start a heart change in ourselves. And we start seeing people the way God sees them. And, and what we're called to do is, is the two things is to love God and love others. 
what if we just started as a church, what if we just started as individuals loving God and loving others and let God handle the consequences of everything else? What if we just let the consequences to him and we loved God and loved others like never before? I think we would change the world because it happened once after the resurrection of Jesus. And you may be sitting here saying, well, yeah, but what about law and sin and all that? And yes, absolutely. But I go back to Paul in Galatians chapter 5 where, he's, where he says the whole law, the whole law hinges on this one thing, love your neighbor. But what if, we can have that discussion, but what if we just said, you know what, let's just let God worry about the consequences for right now. And let's just do everything we can to love God and love others and be passionate about that and see others as the way God sees them. And we're just going to love them and let it all sort out the way it's going to sort out and let God handle everything else. I think, again, we would change the world. And I believe God would move us from a place of anger and frustration and hate and bitterness and our hearts would start changing and we would get to a place of mercy and reconciliation and compassion and love, it would be amazing. Relationships restored. People walking alongside. It's just a better way of doing things than the way we are doing it. Because our way needs to be one of humility and surrender and sacrifice. And the thing that's fascinating to me in this whole story is that Jonah... Jonah is the only one that honestly is not repentant in this whole story. His pride is just in the way. And remember that Jonah is the one, he's the prophet, he's the one that's in the community of faith. The sailors repent, the captains repent, the people of Nineveh repent, the animals repent. It's almost comical. Jonah is the only one, and the story ends, and we don't know what happens to Jonah. We don't know if he ever came around. But everybody on the outside that Jonah is upset with, that he doesn't like the way they're living, they all end up repenting, but not Jonah. Which brings us to the closing of the question that we have for ourselves today. Are you okay with God loving your enemies? That person who hurts you. The people who aren't living the way that you expect them to. The group that is anti-whatever you believe in the people who are different than you. Are you okay with God loving your enemies? And in light of the story of Jonah, what will you do? Are we going to stay in the judgment seat, set up our own little tabernacle, let our frustration and anger control us? Or can we let God just handle everybody else and let our hearts be transformed and do everything we can just to love God and love people and watch what he will do in us and through us. you pray with me? Father, it's so easy to stand up here and talk about this, but man, talk about slaps in the face. We want to be able to love the way you love. I want to be able to love the way you love. So many times that I've put myself in a judgment seat and don't see people the way that you see people. God, I pray that you help us to be people in a church that loves well, that are passionate about seeing lost people come to you, that we will live in such a way that we will be examples of you. 
God, help us to let you handle the consequences and us just be obedient to the way that you love people. And we want you to have the glory for it all. It's in the amazing, powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen.